When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Buck Off Podcast with Lane Grant. Hosted by Christopher Rennie and joined by Jordan Williams. Welcome everybody to show Christopher Rennie for another episode of the Buck Off Podcast with Land Grant Holy Land. As always, joined today by Jordan Williams. How you doing today, Jordan? Uh, it's a, a wonderful day, but a cold day, so I'm not too happy about that. Uh, I am not one of those people that... Well, no, that's not true. I do complain about the winter because I believe you have to pick a season. I'm not one of those people who complain about every season. I've picked summer as my season, which gives me the right to complain about the winter. And it was disgustingly cold today. Wasn't prepared for it. Um, and I don't work from home, so I had to brave the weather on a on the college campus. But doing good, man. I can't complain. How about yourself? Yeah, you know, I used to love taking my dog out for walks and – I don't know, November 11th hit, it dropped below 40 degrees, and now I, it's a chore. Yeah. It's not this fun is, anymore. You know, I don't, I don't want to offend any of the animal lovers here, but this is why I'm happy I don't have a dog. And I've considered getting a dog like me and, and things like that, and I just determined that for multiple reasons, uh, it's not for me mainly partially my schedule i like to travel i like to get up and do what i want to do but also this like uh i don't want to walk a dog in the winter like if i was ever to get a dog it'd be when i had a house with a fence just let them outside just open the door let them outside they can come back when they're ready yeah honestly that's the dream right now um i I will say it's funny that we have the ability to complain about the cold we can uh, I'm a Californian, so it's just very natural for me to not like the cold. Uh, you pick the warm seasons as your seasons to like. So your cold seasons, you don't really need to uh, respect as much. But I will say it was interesting uh, hearing Ryan Day talk about how they were practicing outside this week. You know, get used to the elements. Thank you. I'm sorry. I have to comment on this because everyone thought I was crazy for saying that a team in Ohio should be able to play in the cold and not practice in the indoor facility when all the high school players at freaking 15 and 16 are playing in the cold. And everyone thought I was being mean. And that's why you had the facility and play the games indoor. You are in Ohio. If you cannot practice outside, you can't play outside. Yeah, I mean, it's so frustrating to me. I don't want to hear about it. I know there's an indoor, but the indoors when it's blizzarding, when it's thunderstorming, or for like mat drills and stuff like that. Take your ass outside and practice. Yeah, practices are short. They're not even that long anymore. I like so for there's definitely practices. You know, if you're going to do the padless stuff, the walkthroughs, the run throughs, those type of things, definitely do those in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. But when you're going to have contact, when you're going to play a tough practice, when you're going to do those team drills, I think you need to do those to simulate the conditions you're going to play in. So 
you're going to play inside, just keep it in the woody. You know, if you're going to play outside, play outside. I, I think it's also different in the summer. You know, you could keep it more temperature controlled. It's yeah. a lot easier to adjust to hotness than it is coolness. So, indoors like, perfect you know, for the summer. It's perfect for your spring ball. Like spring ball in the indoor, perfect. There's no reason for you to be outside in the spring, <clears throat> except for like when it's decent weather and it's like, okay, it's nice outside. Let's go outside. But, but in it's football like, yeah, season, coaches do that to get you excited. Yeah, but in football season, you need to practice outside. Ohio football playoffs go almost all the way to December. You have high schoolers playing in this weather. I don't want to hear it. And you have MAC teams playing in the in the weather with Maction on weekdays. Uh, Maction was miserable last night with the snow in a lot of different places. I just I got real passionate about that. I didn't mean to get passionate about it. I cannot stand Ohio State not being able to play in the cold. That is such bullshit to me. When I can go take my freaking I, my brother's not fifteen, but still you can take a freaking fifteen year old. Like, okay, let's talk about Ohio State recruits. Jermaine Matthews is playing in the freaking cold. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, all these guys are playing like uh, freaking. I just forgot his name. Luke Montgomery's playing in the cold. His little brother Ryan, who may be the quarterback of the future, he's throwing freaking spirals in the cold because he wants to win a state championship, and Ohio State can't do it trash i don't want to hear it. i don't want to hear it. i hate it it's it's yeah. like my least favorite thing that has come out of ohio state media the whole let's play the games inside thing that that irks me to my soul just be yeah, better how about that it's crazy you brought up the mac it, it took a long time for even some mac schools to get indoor practice facilities so they were even practicing outside literally like until recently and we had, at Kent State we had an indoor facility but the turf was astroturf that's how old it was if anyone knows you don't play on astroturf that's how old the turf was inside our athletic facility we used to practice with snow on the ground like literally like there would be like they would take the freaking you know tractor and they would pile the snow in the corner of the stadium and we would practice outside despite the fact that there was an indoor it fucking sucks. The so bad. Yeah. Um, but you get over what, it because it's freaking Ohio. Like, what was I going to say? Did you see uh, that poor tackling last night of Bowling Green scored that game winning touchdown? Yeah. Yeah. It's rough. That was tough. That was tough. But that, that, uh, that was the game that was really bad, right? With the snow and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, man, you know, I remember I, I, I played football when I lived in Utah, 8, 9, 10. And that was the only time I ever played in like bone chilling conditions. And we have the morning games. We had like those 9 a.m. start times, you know, those those usual start times. So you'd have the like frozen grass on the ground still. And I remember when I moved to California, I'm like, man, I'm never going to have to play in these conditions again. What a day. And that was that was one of the positives about it. You know, a lot of positives with it. But, man, not playing in that weather was great. But it's a Big Ten football team. Ohio State needs to be playing in the weather. I just thought it was funny that Ryan Day pointed it out. It's part of that toughness culture he's trying to build. You know, playing in those conditions does make you tougher. Like, you know, it, it sucks. And you and I both know, and, you know, there's probably a lot of people listening to us who have done stuff out in the cold. Like, if you get hit in the arm in the cold, it just stings that much more. Yep. And it's not fun. Catching a football going, in the cold is not fun. Like, I am you not. You ever take a face mask on the elbow in the cold? It's one of the worst feelings 
no, in I the think world. The absolute so people like okay, so like this is like a really minor thing. The worst thing about playing football is not the big injuries, it's not the ACLs, the rotator cuffs, the things like that. It's what happens to your fingers and toes. And playing linebacker or um defensive line where you have to jam people and you have to like get off blocks when your hands are frozen the worst like it's at like they get caught in jerseys and in pads and they're already frozen like everyone's like oh no i twisted my ankle i would twist my ankle out any day like i know this is happening to you because you played wide receiver stubbing your finger trying to catch a ball off the ground Mm-hmm. It's the worst. It's like it's the fingers, like it's the fingers and the toes. That's the worst thing and about playing things, football. Those things happen every day. Yeah, and they like, just so linger. There's it nothing you day. can do about it. Like, <laughs> like obviously the serious injuries are worse, but like those aren't the things you deal with all they the time. Hurt, they hurt the least, though. Like, like oddly, yeah, like, okay. it's at, at the point where you can't like. You really can't express it. Your body just kind of makes it go dumb because you're like, yeah, this is messed up. Yeah. We're just gonna it's like you can't not – like you can't be like, coach, I can't practice today. I stubbed my thumb. Like, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, but, yeah, I, like, but stubbing your thumb in the cold, it, it, it it's the amplifies worst. it. And, you know, I, I think I looked up where the weather is going to be in College Park, Maryland this weekend. 43 at game time. It's going to drop into the 30s by the end of it. Um going to be very similar to that 10-day forecast out to next week in Columbus, similar weather. You know, that's going to be three straight games and very similar weather, so they should be adequately prepared for whatever comes that next Saturday. Yeah. Not Stop. to look ahead. Not to look ahead. Yeah. Don't be soft. That's all. And I want to understand. I want people to understand. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's fun. I'm not saying it's preferred. Me and Chris don't argue or debate often. Oddly enough, we agree a lot, which probably doesn't make the show always that fun. One thing we disagree with is Chris thinks he would like the game in the sh- in uh, Indianapolis. Although, yeah, not like, you know, like, and, and I disagree. And it's fine that we disagree on that. But I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's fun. I'm not even it's saying hard. it's preferred. I'm saying you're a team in Columbus, Ohio. Get over it. Stop being soft. Yeah, if, because what, it's, it's so much worse for you than it is for Georgia. It's so much worse for you than it is for Bama, for Texas, for Texas A and M, who's never going to be there, for USC, for UCLA. It is so much yeah, worse for them than it is for think you. USC Get over it, and you. I don't think they know what they signed up for. Absolutely not. That first game against Iowa and the call. Oh my gosh, that's going to be. <clears throat> always has those October games that are like 40 degrees and just and, rain. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So Yeah, I love weather. I mean, honestly, I'd say... Weather's the great equalizer, except it's not. Because if you're from the weather, it's it should be it an should advantage. It's, it is an I advantage. Remember, so it's funny. When I first, like... So there was, like, the kid following Ohio State. You know, I'd watch the games on Saturdays. I'd get excited. You know, you'd debate your friends about the players on each team and stuff. But then, like, I seriously started following it in, like, 2011, 12, when Urban Meyer started taking over. I remember – well, it, it might have been when Trestle was kind of at his end when he was recruiting a lot of kids from Florida. And that was such a big online debate in my formative, like, football following years about, like, why is Ohio State recruiting so many kids from Florida? How are they going to bear these weather conditions? And I just thought that hindsight, funniest thing yeah. still well, to this day. But, <clears throat> I do slightly understand it. 
the funny thing about that, and I understand I can't equate everything to Kent, but Kent does have a lot of players from the South, and their first year in Ohio is probably one of the worst years of their life. They come, and they don't even have a winter coat. Like, they don't know what to wear. They don't know how to deal with the weather. Like, they are struggling. Like, I'm, I'm talking on the sidelines. You see everyone who's huddled around the, the freaking um, the the sideline heaters. All the Florida guys. And then the guys in Ohio are walking around with, like, no shirt on. Like, okay, that's dumb. I don't agree with that. But, like, they're walking around with, like, no shirt on, beaters. Like, they coming outside, like, uh, <clears throat> with just the cutoff, like, tank tops for warm-ups and stuff that first and then the next year you're like ah you learned what a coat was like that little that little cute little jacket that you had that that you thought was fashionable that the uh, you know that your girlfriend liked yeah that wasn't gonna cut it no more you you can't bring your florida jacket up here you got like people say this about chicago new york all the time you can't buy your jacket outside of chicago new york you have to buy it in new york for your new york weather and uh you take that to one weekend, like it's one weekend and you have to sit through, and you've never experienced weather like that before. You have to play a 60 minute game. That is an absolute equalizer. It's honestly unfair. It shouldn't be allowed. They should make every game in the dome because that's the only way it's really going to be equal. So again, that's what the NFL is going to basically. Can you imagine a floor, a, a quarterback from California coming here and getting hit sandwiched? It's, 15 degrees outside, they get sandwiched in between Tyleek Williams and JT to a Malau. Yeah. He's not going to want to play no more. Like, he's not going to want to play no more. Like, it's not to like say this, but that is basically what Justin Fields was. It's basically what CJ Stroud was coming up here the first time they played in a cold weather game. Yeah, but like they, if you know, you practice in the cold, they get used to it. I'm talking about the yeah. guy that's just here for you know, what like week? 48 hours. Like you know, they come in on they come in Friday morning, they leave Saturday night uh, because the incident they get out the airport. You have to leave it's not that cold. Game. Yeah, no they, jacket. They're just in the team hoodie, and you know what I mean. Yeah. Like they're not really prepared. They walk in that little like gateway to the airport, then they get on the bus, so they walk in the conditions for like 15 minutes into the hotel, and the first time they really feel that is when they step out of the locker room to go out and warm up. They're like, actually, you know what? It's, it's this pretty cool. Miserable. It's pretty now, cool. now they're asking the, the coaches, hey, coach, do you have any extra sleeves? Do you have any, like, yeah. where, where are the hand warmers? The fight for hand warmers in a locker room? You've never seen anything like it. <laughs> You've never seen anything like it. So, yeah, we can move on. We're, we have other things to talk about, but I do not support Ohio State. We, we really don't, though. You're right. You're right. We don't. We're going to pretend we have other things to talk about. I don't remember who it was, but I remember a comedian talking about, like, weather. It's just, like, one of those discussions everybody has with other people when there's nothing else to talk about. And that's kind of how I feel about this Maryland game. We're going to try. We're going to do our best. We're going to prepare. But they are trending in the wrong direction. They are not playing good football right now. And I would say that they had very high, probably a little too high of preseason expectations. And to be honest with the first eight games, they were right about where I expected them to be. I don't think they're too high. I just think Tulua got injured and they have a bad coach. Like they should have been eight yeah. and four. Like they, I, they can still get. Well, they can't because they have to play Ohio State. But without Tulua getting injured, they're eight and four, nine and three. Like that, they yeah. would have met the, the expectations. He is looking like a little bit of a shell of himself. Uh, in my film preview, check it out, LandGrantHolyLand.com. Uh, we're gonna do. We we did a good job of that last week. Now let's do it this week. Uh, I talked about how. 
the last two weeks. So Maryland started six and two. Talia got hurt, missed a couple. Was it two games? I think he missed like half of a game. Yeah, it was half of back. a game and then one whole game. One whole they game. won the game. They won the game against Northwestern with their backup quarterback, Billy Edwards. Yeah, and then bye week, and now he was back the last two weeks. And he shouldn't have and been. He looks no, bad. And I was going to – that's what I was going to say is one of Talia's greatest strengths is his mobility, and Maryland's offensive line is not good. Um, and Talia is not mobile anymore. So it has been an absolute recipe for disaster for their offense. They've given up 12 sacks the last two weeks. They got shut out by Penn State. They only scored 10 points on Wisconsin, and we saw what a real offense can do against those two defenses. Maryland was supposed to be a real offense. The last two weeks, they have been far from that. Yeah, and it's crazy how bad they are, because I understand the Tulua thing, but like Rakeem Jarrett, Dante... uh I was going to say Dante Cephas Jr. That's Kent State. I got Kent State in my brain. Dante Cephas Jr.? Dante Demas Jr.? That is way too close for me. Cephas, Demas, this is the type of show we're on today. Dante Demas Jr. are studs. NCAA, Uh, they have the random generated names. Yeah. (laughs) Ronald Hemby, uh, spelled H-E-M, but it's really H-I-M, is a really good freshman running back who has went off on a couple of times, and it's why they won that game without Tolua. Like, they have some players on offense, but they just don't have a good coach, and they can't really build it. And Tolua is good, but he's not – that good. He's not Bryce Young good. He's not CJ Stroud good. He's not these type of guys good. Your offense shouldn't grind to a halt without him. Like it shouldn't be yeah. that bad without him. Yeah, and his style in the last two weeks. Uh 10 to 23, 43% completion percentage, 77 yards. 11 to 22, 50% completion percentage, 74 yards. Multiple How picks still you know. in the game. Like you yeah, saw what the back it, could do, man. To put that in perspective, this is where Talia was before he got hurt. 24 completions on average, 33 attempts on average. So that's 72% for 285 yards per game. That's good. That's a, that's a respectable quarterback. And yeah. it's not like they were playing a joke of a schedule up into that point. They had Michigan on that schedule. They had other good, solid teams in the Big Ten on that schedule. Uh, and I think, what, they lost to Michigan by seven and Purdue by two. So they were legitimately two possessions away from, like, potentially being an 8-0 and team coming into those last two weeks. And it just fell apart for them. Yeah. And, I mean, like, being an Ohio State fan and things like that, it, it makes you forget that death is not common because not every team has a million four-stars. But it's also, again, just bad coaching decisions because when you see he's playing that poorly, put in your backup or run the ball more. Ronald Hemby yeah. has really been, has been carrying them for a little bit. So it's, it's just, you know, it, it's kind of sad. I was very um, – it's very unfortunate, especially because – Rakeem Jarrett and Dante Dimas Jr. have to be draft eligible, and they're not getting a whole lot of like looks in the draft, yeah. I imagine. But why would they stay? Well, Rakeem Jarrett's probably out. He's in his third year. Dante Dimas Jr. is in his fifth year. So he's he's done. Gonna, yeah. He's gone. So uh, yeah, looking into the last two weeks, um, Mar- or Maryland ran the ball. They only ran it like I think it was thirty something times against Penn State. 
Roman Hemby had five yards per carry. So something was working there and they just would not stick to it. And anytime they needed to throw, they just weren't able to. I know that was very similar to their game against Wisconsin. And it's insane how big of a stretch it's been. Uh, yeah, 16 carries for 66 yards. Like that's not, is not enough. That's not, especially with how your quarterback's playing, especially against these teams that want to are like forcing you to throw with your injured quarterback, like forcing him to stay in the pocket. Because guess what? They know your offensive line's not good enough. They know they could get to him with four, and if he can't move, you're just pretty much setting him up back there to like get re-injured and it's really it's honestly unfortunate and we can skip to the next part because we could talk about their defense in a little bit and the receivers but i think mike loxley's on the big 10 coaches list that we're making that we make you make it more and i have added my thoughts on it but mike loxley you know he had some success as alabama's offensive coordinator but so have so many people yeah that warrant him being the head coach somewhere so Ooh. far, it doesn't look like it. No. So, for, for people who are wondering why I'm stumping so hard for this kid, first game of the season, 7 for 114 uh, against Southern SMU, a game that they won against a quality opponent, 16 carries, 151 yards. Uh, against Indiana, 17 for 107. Against Northwestern, 24 for 179 with three touchdowns. Um, he's averaged 16.3, 9.4, 6.3, 7.5, 5.2 yards per carry in different games. He's averaging 6.1 yards per carry on the season. He is a talented running back, and they have games where they gave him seven carries, nine carries, nine carries, seven carries, 13 carries, and then 16... 16 and 13 carries at the end when Tulua was injured. How is that good coaching? You have a guy who's coming off. Malpractice, honestly. Yeah, you have a guy who's coming off 24 carries for 179 yards and three touchdowns, and the next game you give him 16 carries with your quarterback injured? What are we doing there? So, yeah, um, I, you don't hear me talk about Mike Sloxley a lot on my list because he's further down, and I think. You know, I don't know Maryland's expectations. Maybe they're happy with just making a bowl game, which this would be the second year in a row he's done that. So yeah. that is progress. But Maryland, and I've I've said this, Maryland would be they have the potential to be the second or third best team in the ACC. They could be what North Carolina is this year, every two, three, four years, something like that. Not maybe not even two, maybe three or four, if they had a good coach, and they don't. So. He's definitely on the list because Maryland has a chance to be one of the biggest um, one of the biggest beneficiaries of not having divisions because they get to play some of the worst teams. But I don't have faith that that's going to matter with Mike Loxley. I'd I'd say he's the worst coach in the Big Ten East significantly. And I'd say he's probably because Rutgers situation is much harder. So, yeah, he's the worst coach for sure. Yeah, I, I think the DMV is a very talented football area, so you have that built-in advantage over Indiana with Tom Allen's working with. So, Oh, no, Tom, I, Allen's a, Tom Allen is the worst is the worst coach. But um, I, I don't think he's worse than Mike Loxley. I don't think Mike Loxley could have done what Tom Allen did at Indiana. Mm, that's a good point. 
Okay. No, I'm back. I'm back on the side. I'm back with you. Uh, th- this is what I said earlier. We don't disagree a lot. People probably find this boring. We could yeah. never be on. Uh, we could never be uh, Stephen A. and Skip. We'd just be yelling at look, each other. You, I agree. You're 100 percent right. <laughs> like that's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were kissing you yesterday. You gave me one today. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. It, it's really like. I, I, if you really went down one through fourteen to start your program within the Big Ten, I'm, Mike Loxley might be down at like twelve, thirteen, fourteen. He's he's no higher than ten. Like Ryan Day's off the list. You have to start Ohio State's program with one of the other thirteen coaches. He is probably my last option. Are you taking? So I, I think I would take him. Over Pat. Pat Fitzgerald's down there. I think I would take him over I, Pat today. But here's the, the issue thing. is I think Pat Fitzgerald's done a great job at times, but I, we've never actually seen him have to work, you know, at yeah. like yeah. building or like he's built Northwestern into something that, you know, it's fallen off a little bit. But once again, similar to like Tom Allen, he accomplished stuff that no one ever really expected at Northwestern. And yeah. So here, here's so, the thing. I would hire, and you all know how I feel about this guy. I would hire Kirk Ferentz over him, and I just wouldn't I wouldn't skirt the university's anti-nepotism rule. I would just say, the university says we can't hire your, your son, your cousin, and your brother-in-law. Go hire some real coaches, and we have a freaking top 10 defense and a team that wins 10 games a year. Like, Kirk yeah, Ferentz's problem is not he can't coach. His problem is he loves his son more than he loves anything else, it seems like. Yeah, it's just I, I, it's something I that's read about all the say, time. Loving your son more than anything else is a problem. That's not really a problem. He, it's not. It's, you should love your kids, but, but like the, the, the issue affects is, your job. Coaches <laughs> tend to like hire their sons because they lose out on so much of those kids' life in their like young yeah. years. So it's like a chance to catch up and like rebuild that bond through that. And like it's like it sucks for like you know I don't need. It's like a hard conversation to have because. Like, Brian Ferentz, when he came into Iowa, was actually a pretty solid coaching candidate. And yeah, because he well, – He's just not an offensive coordinator. No, he's an offensive line and coach. And that's the issue. He, like, I, I mean, at this point – How I would do we turn this to Iowa, man? I don't know. Because we're talking, we're talking Maryland. We, we hate – we hate, I think we hate Iowa more than any other football team outside of, you know, the one. But I think yeah. we hate Iowa the second most. Yeah. Absolutely. And we, and I feel like they found their way into every single show since the since even before the Iowa week. And we're gonna freaking play them again, which is pissing me off. Uh, yeah, and we saved that one. We'll they, save that one. They though. stole two freaking players from us who should have never went there. Yeah. Life, man, it's crazy. Uh, all right, Pants so portal we, options. <laughs> get them out we, of there. Yeah, let's get yeah. Let's get back to let's get back to the Maryland business. Uh, he, Mike Loxley officially on the needs to be out list. Uh, you know what? He can stay as long as he wants. Yeah. You know, coming from a completely biased standpoint. For, I'm a, you know, we've argued about this like like metaphorically with the the non-listeners because like the people who really believe this don't listen to us about the Big Ten SEC bias and things like that. The biggest difference from the Big Ten and the SEC is not the talent, it's not the money, it's not the players, it's not the commitment, it's not the facilities, it's the coaches. That I would take 
most, most SEC coaches over anyone in the Big Ten. How the hell did they let Mark did they let Mark Stoops stay at Kentucky? Like now I get it, fine, it's whatever. But before he made Kentucky Kentucky, how is he not in the Big Ten? I would take yeah. Sam Pittman. I might even take Shane Beamer. He may be like I, eight or, he may you, he may be like eight or nine, but there's multiple coaches I wouldn't take before yeah. Shane Beamer. Like I would yeah, definitely I, I take Sam. I would definitely take Kirby. If 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 you have you have to give him the fairness treatment, if you don't let if you force him not to call plays, I might take Jimbo. Like I, Jimbo has some stipulations. Jimbo, you I'm hiring your offensive coordinator. But if I can yeah. if I can do that, I might hire Jimbo. Like I'm definitely taking Lane. I don't want nothing what, to do with uh off topic. What are the odds uh Jimbo loses to UMass this weekend? Ah, oh, that'd be hilarious. That would be so fun. It's zero because uh, UMass, like, UMass is a worst. football team. The worst. UMass is a football team, just like someone's five-year-old son is a football player for dressing up on the field. Yeah, yeah. Uh, UMass is a football team, just like someone's five-year-old son is a football player because they dressed up as him as Halloween. They have they have a uniform and they do breathe air, so I guess that makes them a football team. I watched the UMass UConn game intently on a Friday night. Sick. And that's that's really when I knew I was a sicko because I was like really just enjoying watching Zion Turner hand the ball off to watch UConn run with like eight guys in the boxer wide zone, and it was just incredible to watch UMass's attempt at what they thought was offense, which was basically just having their true freshman quarterback who looks like he should still be in high school throw the ball as far as he can or run the ball and just get smoked. It was awesome, but yeah, back to Maryland. Got to talk about Dante Demas Jr. Got to talk about Rakeem Jarrett. They've underperformed. I, it, it's hard because I think people set the expectations really high for those guys. There were a lot of people who said they had a better receiving core than Ohio State. They had a lot better receiving core than Michigan. They had a better receiving core than Penn State. And, you know, in hindsight, you know – Name wise, like I like Raheem Jarrett as a player. I think Dante Demas has been good. Well, I I genuinely believe they have the second best wide receiver pair in the Big Ten. They just probably have like a bottom three wide receivers coach. Take away the guys that we have because they're more talented. What would Brian Hartline do with them? Well, Brian Hartline wouldn't have those guys on his team, right? <laughs> they recruited, he recruited Rakeem Jarrett, and Rakeem yeah, Jarrett just so decided to stay hard. Rakeem Jarrett would probably be – I don't know. His skill set is – he's one of those really athletic receivers that, you know, Ohio State's had on their team and just not really known what to do with. And – I don't know, because he, he's not like Garrett Wilson. He's not like Chris Olave. I'd say, like, the closest comparison would skill set-wise would be to Jackson Smith and Jigba. Or uh, Paris Campbell. Paris is bigger. Yeah, Paris, Paris would be a good one. He's a little faster, but... Yeah, he's a little faster. He's a little bit more stocky, a little a better build, but, like, Paris Campbell. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think he'd... I, I mean, I would have loved to have Rakeem Jarrett when they were recruiting him, but... Um, it's just it's interesting. I like. I'd say the biggest reason they're underperforming is because their offensive line sucks, and their coaches suck. But yeah, offensive uh, line is not helping at all. They have. They honestly have a pretty simple offense. It's very RPO heavy, and teams have gotten significantly better at defending that. So they're not getting some of those easy throws that you're getting two or three years ago, and then. 
no, Demas Jr., you know, coming back, he's had two major injuries over the last two years, and he just hasn't been to the level he was prior to that. And I, I think it's just been a tough break for that group. Plus, uh, having inconsistency at quarterbacks, you know, I think we've heard Ryan Day talk about it with Ohio State. Like, one of the things that people keep missing is practice reps because of, like, injuries, like minor injuries, major injuries, so on and so forth. And that matters with your quarterback. And we saw it the last two weeks. Those, the, it was not, it was not good. And I actually want to pull up the lead receiver for uh, who them against Buffalo. Sorry, guys, bad podcasting, but uh, it, it's just they just have not been. They have not been good. No, I think they got their stats too. And they're not. While while you're looking that up, I'll um, I'll talk a little bit. They're not developing them, which is part of the problem. And the other thing, people are going to say, oh, well, they recruit well. Yeah, they almost always in every cycle they have a good recruiting a area. five star player out of Maryland that Ohio State, Bama, Florida, whoever wanted, but then they transferred. Last year, well this Three this past offseason, they had yards. two five star linebackers transfer after last season. Like you can what's the point of getting the five stars if you can't keep them and you're not keep developing them, yeah. them? Like what are we doing here? Yeah, so Rakeem Jarrett last week had three catches for 30 yards. That's uh, sad. CJ Dupre had three catches for 21 yards. Their tight end, two catches for 10 yards. Jacob Copeland, one catch for seven yards. Like, it, it's it's bad news out there. Um, and that's against Penn State. Uh, and Penn State has a talented, a very good secondary. So it's yeah. not like they were doing it against, like, that wasn't just because – Maryland's bums like they were playing a pretty good team uh but guess what two weeks ago against Wisconsin and we've seen it Mr. Torchio because he, we, we made the joke he got torched a little bit when Ohio State played Wisconsin uh Dante Demas Jr. one catch seven yards Rakeem Jarrett one catch five yards so That's bad. very bad two issues there they're not even really giving them the amount of targets they need they're not really even giving them so it, it's really just a challenge um and then on the year, uh, I didn't look at their rankings, but for a receiver group that was supposed to be better than Ohio State, 14 catches for 153 yards for Dante Dimas Jr. Um, That's the entire season? Yeah, 13, oh 37 gosh. catches for Rakeem Jarrett for 406 yards. Ooh. That's That's bad. Yeah, and I, I get it. Charlie I have more receiving yards than them combined. And yeah. I use Charlie Jones because no one expected him to be this good. Like, I'm not going to use a Buckeye wide receiver. Although, Kate Stover has more. I think he has Cade more than Stover, Yeah, if he doesn't, he's really close. Thirty, Like, he's really close to what uh, Rakeem Jarrett has. Yeah, and, you know, we, we disrespected Parker Washington a little bit, like, before the game, just saying he wouldn't start. But he's been a significantly more reliable receiver than two receivers who were supposed to be. Better, yeah, for sure. State, so it's just it's interesting how, and this is like the hardest part. Like you know, you want something new, you want something fresh, you want to throw it out there. But this is one of those egg on the face bold takes that just was bad. Um, now looking at Cade Stover, he has. God, I hate how they do their stats. Sometimes he has three hundred sixty-six yards for five touchdowns, so he's forty yards away from uh, Rakeem Jarrett. 
Yeah, as and he the, has four more touchdowns. And the fourth or fifth receiving option on the team. Yeah. Yeah, career-wise, Rakeem Jarrett, one catch against Ohio State, 41 yards, a touchdown. Uh, he's only played one game against the Buckeyes. This is a funny thing. This is actually really funny. Um, Dante Dimas Jr. has two catches in two career games against Ohio State for 73 yards. Guess how many touchdowns he has? I feel like it should be two. It's two. Yeah, both his <laughs> catches against Ohio State were touchdowns. That's funny. So, honestly, they've had three catches against Ohio State combined for three touchdowns. Balling. Super that smart. Is, that's called efficiency. All right, lastly, let's get it. defense quick. Their defense is a lot better than last year, surprisingly, in yes. like most efficiency categories. And this is actually a big reason they were 6-2 and two was their defense. And it's not that their defense is good. They're just average and Average is significantly better than last year. They have a pretty good safety. I forgot his name because... I really like their safeties. That's what I was going to say. And their linebackers, despite losing the five stars, have been really the key cog to their defense. Yeah, you know. You know how we feel about linebackers on this show. Yeah. So, I've been very... Like, when I was re-watching the game, I'm like, man, if these linebackers and safeties weren't there, this team would be in the dumpster. It's not good. And they struggled against Penn State. Like, Penn State did an exceptional job of getting to the second level, cutting off their linebackers. This is one of the few teams that runs an odd front in the Big Ten, like a true odd front with three down linemen at all times. It It's not great. And sometimes you bring down a stand-up linebacker, but it doesn't really do much to change it because he's just not – Usually strong enough, the guy they bring down to impact the edge. Running an odd front when you can't recruit like Bama is just is an interesting choice. Yeah, like if you don't have, like if you don't have Tyler Williams, big. if you don't have freaking uh, whoever Georgia's defense, Jordan Davis, like if you don't have those type of guys, what are we doing here? Yeah, because in reality, Ohio State, it's they run a four-two-five, but when Jack Sawyer's standing up, it turns into an odd front a little bit, and they do a really good job out of that look. Uh, looking at their uh, defensive backs, they've got Bo Braid, Dante Trader. I think those are the two safeties we like. Ahmad Mikolo, Jayshon Barham, very good linebackers. Very good linebackers, but they will not be enough to limit Ohio State's offense this week. Not even close. Yeah, and I, I want to add this to the show before we do a quick run through the Big Ten West scenarios. Uh, Ohio State had C.J. Stroud last year uh, and Travion Henderson last year, and those two combined for 500 yards of offense against Maryland. So uh, I don't think – I don't know if Travion Henderson's playing. It's not me making some – they'll be able to run the ball on Maryland. They will. And – uh, the real thing I wanted to bring up there was Stroud threw for 400 yards and five touchdowns to no picks last year. That's this is well, obviously his Heisman moment is going to be against Michigan, but this is going to separate him, and then he's going to secure it by throwing yeah, for this three fifteen and four tutties. Yeah, I mean, last week could have been even better if Julian Fleming could catch the ball. That was oh something. my gosh, man! Well, we know yeah, he'll be back so. next year. Cause like yeah, yeah, he has a great year. He could go, you know, one and done kind of thing. No, no, we'll have our, we'll have our, you know, top three. Like, like next year. Yeah. yeah, 
he needs another year. <laughs> yeah, he's falling yeah, off the cliff. Yeah, it's funny how every like we make a lot of assumptions, and then Marvin Harrison Jr. comes on, and everyone's like, he'd be wide receiver one this year and next year and last year and probably and last year, the year before that. Like, yeah. I don't think people understand when it comes to draft stuff just how much having, like, familial heritage in the NFL matters to NFL teams, but it does. Yeah. Is he the best wide receiver prospect since Julio Jones? I Yeah, honestly, I don't think there's really – he's 6'4", he's 200 pounds, he bench presses Chevy Silverado. Because Julio was the Uh, best prospect since Calvin Johnson, right? Yeah, he's got that quick. Yeah, he's got that quick feet in space. Like you know, he could he played in the slot recently a little bit more, which is interesting just to get that matchup against the safety and the linebacker. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, he is truly remarkable. And when you have NFL people talking about sophomores, usually it's very overreactive, i.e., Drake May, but. Now I'm just seeing this stuff about Marvin Harrison Jr. And with receivers, it's like, okay, this is like a like there is a physical demand to it that you can't produce on a week to week basis, but that hasn't been the case with Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh-huh. All right, so well let's take let's take like the next ten minutes here to talk about the Big Ten West. Uh, we already did. We brought up Iowa. We should have saved it. Uh, we hate Iowa. I already said that. Why is the Big Ten West so bad this year? It starts with coaching, I believe, and it ends with they just don't have the high-end talent this year. You know, I, I like Iowa lost one of their best players to Purdue, and he's had a really good year. Uh, Purdue, you know, I'm not a big believer in Jeff Brom. He does what he likes to do. Uh, Minnesota, P.J. Fleck is always going to lose one or two games he shouldn't. And Illinois surprised everybody. You know, they're kind of coming back down to earth. They all have a shot to make it to the conference championship game. So let's do it from the top. Iowa has the clearest paths to get there, surprisingly enough. They just have to win their next two games. Um, how do we feel about their odds to do that here, Jordan? Um, because they're trying to spite me, they're absolutely going to do it. But their odds realistically are not great because they have to play uh, Minnesota and is it Wisconsin or Nebraska? Nebraska, Minnesota, and Nebraska. So, um, I, I would say that they're probably going to do it because they hate me and I've talked a lot of trash about them. And uh, Kirk France would do anything not to fire his son. But realistically, if Iowa, if Minnesota is what they were supposed to do and P.J. Fleck wasn't, you know, uh, if P.J. Fleck was consistent uh, with being able to maintain a culture and a standard of play, Iowa should lose to Minnesota. But yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I saw the two teams left and they're really just worse. I was honestly like, that's one thing. As much as we hate on it, Kirk Ferentz does have a very defined culture at Iowa. They're going to win the game with defense, and they're going to play – I'm putting air quotes up. You guys can't see that. But they're going to play complementary football, which means don't turn the ball over. We're going to punt, and eventually we're going to flip the field enough that we can kick a field goal. 
that's your complimentary football. And it works. That's how they beat Wisconsin. That's how they beat uh, Purdue, Northwestern. That's how, that's how they win those football games. <laughs> yeah. Except the, the one random two games where they scored 24 points and then 33 points on offense. Yeah. What, South Dakota State, they didn't score an offensive touchdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in reality, their only divisional loss this year so far has come to Illinois. So that's why they're in the driver's seat. And, you know, it's just – it's 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 a tough season for us guys yeah. who do not like Iowa and Kirk Ferentz. Speaking of, though, this is just – I just got to get this off my chest really quickly. I want to know if you agree because me and Dante did. When you have divisions, what do you think should be the number one tiebreaker to determine if you win a division? Uh, that's after, like, head-to-head. Like – Obviously, play on the field. So if you're eight and one, like if Ohio State loses to Penn State but beats Michigan, who gets in? Like no, that scenario. No. So the the current scenario like, that the West is in. So because there are going to be teams that like there's like there are going to be teams that end up with the same record. There's going to be two or three of them that have the same you know overall record in the Big Ten. So they let's say they just let's say three teams end up. Um, yeah, uh, five and four in the Big Ten. Um, what uh, do you think the number one tiebreaker should be in that scenario? Uh, I'd say it goes uh, divisional record, right? And then that would probably be my most important thing. Yeah, we can Keep. stop it there. It should be divisional record. It's not in the Big Ten. That's why uh, Illinois isn't in the driver's seat. It's overall Big Ten record. Not divisional record. So Illinois, who has wins over Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Nebraska, is going to lose because of one. They could the end, and they could beat Northwestern. Illinois is going to have a win over every team in the West except for Purdue, and they're not going to win the West because it's overall Big Ten record, and they're going to lose to Michigan. So, like, even if they end up with the same thing, the same record at the end, they have all the best wins in the West. And they should have the tiebreaker over everyone except Purdue, and they're not going to get it because it's overall Big Ten record. What is the point of having divisions if the division record doesn't doesn't come first? Because why did you beat everyone in the division except one team? Yeah. Oh, and I mean, if Illinois wins this week, none of that matters, right? Yeah. Yeah. If Illinois wins this week, none of it matters because I think they end with Northwestern or some scrub that they're absolutely going to beat. But, like, them losing to Michigan shouldn't affect what happens in the West division. Yeah. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. I just Um, wanted to see. That's why I didn't even. That's why why I just let you come to it. I wanted to see if you agree. Somehow, why do you have divisions? It doesn't make sense. What is the division marker for if that is not the first tiebreaker? Yeah. um, So. Well, I've got the tiebreaker rules here. The records of the three or more tied teams will be compared based on winning percentage in games between the tied teams. What the heck does that even mean? Oh, here's two teams tied. If two teams are tied, the winner of the game, obviously, and then conference record, like you said. And then it gets weird. It gets really weird. Um, but, yeah, Illinois, they should not be hurt for losing to a non-divisional foe in the race to represent the division. That is, and they're going to. So that's so weird. Despite the fact now, that they beat Iowa, they're going to lose now, the division to Iowa. 
Now we got Illinois out of the way. We got Iowa out of the way. Iowa needs to go two and zero. Illinois needs to go two and zero. If Illinois goes two and zero, it's just they're playing Michigan, so it's going to be very hard for them to do that. Uh, Purdue needs to win out and then have Iowa lose and Minnesota lose because they have the tiebreaker over Illinois. Yeah. So they're in a tough spot, but they're I, I'd argue they're in the second driver's seat though because. They just need Minnesota to win. And then Minnesota needs to beat Iowa and then have Purdue lose. Right. And honestly, Purdue probably has the best chance of doing it because if Minnesota beats Iowa, which is possible, Minnesota is absolutely not beating Wisconsin at the end of the year, which would then give it to Purdue. Yeah, and Purdue's got Indiana and Northwestern to close it out. Two very winnable games for them. So the the funniest thing, though, is no one's actually in the driver's seat. They're only in the yeah. driver's seat for a tie. There's no one that can win it outright, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. And the only reason like, – if, like, if we had to rank driver's seats, Illinois is in the main driver's seat because they just – they have to win two games. Yeah. Iowa is in the second driver's seat because they have to win two games and Illinois is expected to lose. And then, and then Purdue, Purdue needs some they're help. going to win two games, but they need some help. Yeah, and then Minnesota has to play Iowa directly, and then they need pretty much all three of those guys to lose, if I recall. Yeah, something close to it. So it's going to be an interesting race. Uh, you know, it's going to be – we talk about the Pac-12 cannibalism on the national scale. It's the Big Ten West cannibalism. You know, it happens every week, and – uh, I guess to close this conversation out before we head to the break, which team would be the best for Ohio State to play in the Big Ten Championship for just, you know, because I don't think Iowa is a great one for them to play because they already played them. So this kind of takes into the – because if they beat Michigan, then they just have to win the Big Ten Championship. They're in, in, that's not really what matters, but for the storylines, for – our entertainment purposes for C.J. Stroud's Heisman campaign, which one's the best option? Well, okay, so those are two different things. C.J. Stroud's Heisman campaign is Iowa because people still respect their defense. So if he lights up the defense, it it would be them. The best overall for C.J. Stroud and our enjoyment and the storyline is Illinois. You get a good defense. You get the Illibuck. You get uh, Brett Bielema. Like, that's the overall best one. And the easiest one is Purdue. Because yeah, I, I think they don't have the guys on defense to do anything. No. And they're going to try to make it a shootout. Uh, Aiden O'Connell is going to throw the ball until his arm falls off, which means he's going to throw three picks. Uh, I'm pick not sure Aiden clear. O'Connell makes it through that game at this point. Yeah. Aiden O'Connell has torched the gonna draft stop. You're going to tell me Mike Hall, Tyleek Williams aren't going to do everything they can to make sure – that there's not a slip up in Indianapolis if they get there. Yeah, so it's going to be a pretty scary bad for season them. for him. Um, yeah, so I think that was for the Maryland show. I came into this with very low energy, you know, heading into the break. Our anger towards the Big Ten West, you know, Mike Lodgley as a career con man, head coach, uh, and some of these other conversations have got the energy up. So I hope you guys are enjoying the ride. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about what to watch for from Ohio State as we take on Maryland. And then we're going to get into some award races down the stretch. We'll see you guys after the advertisements. Welcome back, and everybody. This is your host, Christopher Rennie. Uh, 
free to it um, but let's uh, you want to just jump right into it Do you have any final thoughts on that big 10 west battle before we move forward or are we good to go my only thought is that there should be coaches in the west who lose their job including coaches who aren't going to but there should at least be a couple who absolutely lose their job and it's not going to happen so yeah yeah it's not our concern we could only do so much for these programs can't you can't uh, make them care, and you can't care more than they do. And that's absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I care more about Minnesota football than Minnesota's athletic department. I, would, I don't I even would really care that much. Agree about with it. that. So uh, they have a cool basketball arena. That's all I could really say about Minnesota. Their coach's locker room is one of the best that I've ever seen. Their head coach has its has his own locker room inside of the locker room. That's pretty it's sick. Crazy. Uh, but yeah, you know I hate the Big Ten West. I'm glad divisions are gone. I think it'll make it better for everybody in the East, honestly. Yeah. Um, yep. All right. So Ohio State is playing a game this weekend against the Maryland Terrapins, uh, the Terps, uh, College Park, Maryland. Scott Van Pelt went there. That's about the most redeeming thing you can say about them. Uh, was Maryland the, the was it Maryland's coach who got slapped by Juwan Howard? Hmm. Or is that Rutgers' coach? I feel like it was Rutgers. Yeah, I do too. Right. That's not really a storyline. I need to get into it. Uh, Tergeron got into a scuffle with Juwan Howard as well. The verbal one. That's what it was. Tergeron's uh, no longer there. I thought that was a soft move by Maryland. I didn't think they were going to find a better coach. So they're not taking athletics all that seriously either. Uh, but for Ohio State, they do need to win this football game. That is the one goal. I do not care how it looks, honestly. I'm saying that right now. But you guys will see me tweeting Saturday in frustration at times. if something doesn't go well, as we do. Yes. Uh, but uh, they, the reality of this is they just need to get out with a win. And that's the first thing to watch for. Does Ohio State win the football game? If so, yes, relax on the internet and we're good to go. All right, so now that that's out the way, who's on the offensive line this week? I think that's something very interesting to look at. You know, Josh Fryer and his media availability um, kind of talked about how he felt very prepared for the moment, but it was a lot different being out there as a starter. You know, getting that game under his belt gives him a lot of confidence for next year. It seemed like he wasn't sure if he was going to start this weekend. So it'll be interesting to see. Health has been an issue. I thought he played really well against Indiana. Uh, what do you expect from the offensive line if Dewan Jones is back? Do you expect him to play with a little bit more energy, a little bit more effectiveness getting to that second level now that he's seen Josh Fryer do it? Or do you just kind of think it's Josh Fryer's game, you know, keep Dewan, let him get even healthier, you know? 
Uh, what do you expect to see? So I feel like an offensive line is not a position where you can miss games. Like that's not like a you know wide receivers like get, keep them out, get healthier. Like Michigan's defensive line is not what it was, but you don't want to throw him out there two games not playing without that. So I definitely think Dewan needs to be back out there. He needs to get back in rhythm. Yeah, that's if he's question, going to play, right? Yeah, right, right. The real question is, what do they do at right guard? Because it seems like Anek Vamahi has kind of been outplaying Matthew Jones. Just maybe. Yeah, Matt Jones um, had a good game last week, but we always, we've we been putting this in front of it. It was against Indiana. He yeah, did have a good so. game. He looked, hell, he looked like he was moving better than he was the weeks prior. Right. So I think his injury's kind of healing up, whatever it was. Yeah, but I would expect I would expect to see the full offensive line unless the Dewan thing is is more than what they made it to be. Because again, offensive line is all about continuity, and they've already struggled enough. You can't have him miss a game. And obviously, if he has to, it's different. But you can't just decide to sit him and, and pretend that it's going to be okay, um, and then and then have him go out there against Michigan. I, I don't think that's yeah, a good idea. It's not fair to DeWan. It's not fair to the rest of the offensive line, honestly. And we don't know. Like, this is the worst part about Ryan Day is we don't know, like, the seriousness of DeWan Jones. And even when it comes to, like, asking, like, oh, should, who should we expect being back on the field? Who should we expect kind of being there? Never gives a straight answer. So, I do think what you said about the continuity, though, if Josh Fryer is the starter this week, I think he needs to close out the regular season. And then I think you could comfortably take a gamble against the Big Ten West team. Yeah, re-implementing sure. Dewan Jones if that is the case. The playoffs, yeah. But. Yeah, so it, it'll be interesting to see. The left side of the line, we know who we're going to see. It's really the right guard, the right tackle, how that works out. You know, uh, the – tight end package with Josh Fryer did it get an official name this week during media availability it's called the bison package interesting I like that I like it that's that's a pretty sick name I heard Austin Ward and Bill Land is talking about it so um I think I think that's one of the coolest formational names I've ever heard because yeah. that's really what it is like it is a bison <laughs> yeah definitely I, I think that's really I've never, cool. I, I've never seen a bison get blown up so much though yeah, you can't move, you can't move bison. So <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, do they expect the bison to move? But bison's a pretty standstill animal. Mm. Now, now we're so, really now we're really getting into it. Is this is it actually a good name? Should we make it? We should call it the Tommy Eichenberg, you know, formation because then it'll start moving people. Speaking into existence. Yeah, exactly. Um. But, yeah, I'm excited. I think the one thing that I really liked about the Indiana game was you got to see the offense play like a team that was going to play straight up, right? You got to see regular numbers on the line of scrimmage. You got to see regular numbers at the second level. You're going to see that again against Maryland. Uh, You saw it against Penn State. Penn State's just a more talented team than the last two. But, like, Iowa, Northwestern, they did some weird stuff in the box that just, you know – Teams with more talent wouldn't risk that type of stuff, you know. So, yeah, like Michigan's uh, not going to come out and do that. They're not going to come out and throw an eight-man box because Michigan believes that their their six, seven-man box is good enough to stop the run game. And so, it's short yardage. Short yardage is uh, different, though. So, 
they're going to load up the box. That's what teams do. But just generally speaking, it's been nice to see them play regular fronts the last week and now two weeks. Um, all right, what's next? All right, Ryan Day was noncommittal on the health of the running backs. Surprise, surprise. There is no health. It's just no one's healthy. No. Just put them out there. No one's healthy. I want to see Xavier Who's Johnson play the whole game. Yeah, you know, get him. Just give him the yards. Get him the carries. Let him get some tape for the NFL. Yeah. Uh, so to can say, you get drafted off one play? I don't know. But you should be able to. He'll get a camp invite for sure. Um, if if CJ Saunders can get a camp invite, I think Xavier Johnson can. Absolutely, he's actually played. Um, <clears throat> should we do what you suggested for the offensive line that I disagreed with? Sit both running backs and just play Dallin Hayden, Chip, and uh, Xavier Johnson and let them actually get healthy for the stretch run? Because you can get into rhythm as a running back throughout a game. But, like, yeah. it's just, I, like just, like, sit him. You don't need him. Don't, don't run the I ball. Think, like. I think you could rest Mayan. I think you could. He's played enough recently to where I feel comfortable with that if his injury – is serious, which he was on crutches, but I know that's usually precautionary with ankle injuries. Yeah, until they do the uh, x-ray and the MRI. Yeah, they want you to keep weight off of it to try to eliminate, like, the possibility of it locking up and swelling up too much. Um, and, you know, I think Travion needs to play, though, if he's going to – if he's healthy enough, I think he needs to get – not a lot, like 10 carries, nothing crazy. Then you let Dallin Hayden and then Chip train him, play the rest of the game. Because uh, Chip, you need to get him some reps. If he's going to play running back, if you're having these injury issues, he needs to get game reps. So he needs to be healthy this week. Uh, even if it's like an 80% ready to go, he probably needs to get out there. And then Hayden, if you're going to have a lead back on Saturday, it should be him with 20 carries. Yep. I'm with you all the way. Yeah, so I think you're right on there. I, I think the only thing is Trey needs, like, to play 15, 20 snaps. Not all runs, but, you know, get in pass pro a little bit, you know, get some handoffs, nothing crazy, and just get back. To, not into a rhythm necessarily, but, you know, feeling the contact and stuff. Yeah, I'm not I'm not against that, actually. Uh, that's actually a, a pretty solid plan. I think that um, – as long as it's as long as it's not a lot, you know, don't don't yeah. risk them getting injured. First quarter only, something like that. No matter how many drives it is, first quarter only. Yeah, definite pitch count for sure. Uh, I think you'll be able to simulate the run game quite a bit with a Mechag Buka with like those short passes to the receivers. You know, Julian Fleming on some slants. You know, those short yardage plays that turn into big plays. So it's not necessarily. I don't think a run game is a worry. Um, the defense is much better than 2018. So I think the lack of a run game is much more survivable this year, but it'll be interesting to see who plays, how much they play and what the running back looks like. So let's watch for that. Um, Next on the list, how does Ohio state defend against Maryland's passing attack? I should have actually added to this. I, I, it was more so a question a few weeks ago before Talia got hurt because his mobility, and that's kind of J.J. McCarthy's games, getting out of the pocket, making some plays in that scramble drill. But we're not really going to get to see that as much as we were probably hoping we would to get like a real test on the defense with that one last time. Because J.J. is not Daquan Finn as a runner, but he is a little bit more 
uh, dynamic as a passer. And that tends to happen when one's a five-star quarterback and the other is not. But I will say it's been a while since they played a quarterback with this level of ability to throw off platform. Because even like Sean Clifford, a runner, uh, who or not a runner, I was kind of I was kind of bad football analysis there. A guy who likes to run is more like it. Um, can't really throw outside the pocket though, like. I was hoping Talia would be that test. I don't think we're going to get that this week, so it's less really important than I thought when I added this. No, unfortunately. But, you know, whatever. Maybe Talia drinks some of that Michael Jordan juice from Space Jam, gets a little little hip in his step, you know. But I, I just don't think he's going to have that running ability back enough to make like Ohio State really – get tested at times. So if he does watch for it, see how they defend the scrambling quarterback. But I unfortunately don't think that's going to be the case for this matchup. Yeah, um, I agree. And they, we've defended the scrambling quarterback much better than we have previously. It feels like a scrambling quarterback is good for one deep touchdown, like where the safety comes up, like all of them have gotten one. And then the rest of the time we've kind of contained them. So, um, yeah. Yeah. They're good for a drive. Good for, you know, and then Ohio state recommits like a defender to like stopping him as a runner. Um, Wisconsin or not Wisconsin, Indiana's quarterback. What started the game off four for five and then finished it like six for 19. Something like that. Only had 60 rush yards on like 17 carries. So it's not necessarily – and I, the game plan's been laid by Wisconsin. The game plan's been laid by Penn State. You drop seven, you rush four, and you should be able to get to the quarterback. Yep. Blitz occasionally right. because you can. Just, to, just to yeah. put it on film. And, yeah. All right. How aggressive is Ohio State going to be on both sides of the ball? You know, how much I like, get honestly goes to right with you or finishing how like everything's on film through 11 games. But what like I think we saw earlier in the season, you know, games against Arkansas State games against Toledo where Ohio State wasn't doing anything really crazy. They were just kind of going out there, just playing with their base stuff and then going out there defensively. I don't know how exotic Jim Knowles is going to get. We haven't really seen that the last couple of weeks. Um, yeah, he, he hasn't been exotic, but he's been aggressive. And I think he stays aggressive. He's already talked about that. Yeah. He said you can't just turn the switch on on defense. You have to do it every every day, every it. snap, every yeah. down. So he'll stay aggressive, but I think he will I think he won't be exotic. And, boy, the blitzes, we don't got to talk about it. But the things he's going to pull up against the next game, yeah. Maybe, maybe we see one or two of them, you know, to, yeah. to practice I think it. we're going to see – Something weird. I think we're gonna see something really weird for them this game. Just like, just to put it out there, It'll make you know, like coaches. Like this is something people don't always think about, but coaches do that. Well, they'll put like a weird look in there, and it'll just make that other coach watch that for five minutes. You know, yeah, waste that time on because the amount of work you put in when you see something, it's like. Five minutes on film, one minute in install. You know, that's that's six minutes you could have done on something that they actually do importantly. And coaches are sickos, so uh, no, they're not sickos. They're psychos, so they probably yeah. spend more than five, six minutes on it. Yeah. Um, 
It's wild. Um, I, I think Ryan Day is going to be aggressive passing the ball. Yeah, one last, shot. Shots yeah one last shot to get everything back on track and iron out, you know, any deficiencies and last details, that kind of stuff. Yeah. No more and then the last, so. last thing I got on this, I don't think we're going to see passes on those third and ones. I don't. I think he's going to keep trying to hammer the toughness point home for one more week. It would be fine if he just ran the right play, like power. Specifically, so, you know, power right. I would also just like to see the interior just not get blown up like immediately one time. Yeah, but some of that, like you said, is like teams putting two people in the center and stuff. Like yeah, I don't know. Just I'm I'm just, I'm done defending the offensive lot. line. It's definitely a mix of both. But I, I I can just imagine what would happen if you let the right powerful side of the line down block and you pulled your agile guard and you ran power on short yeah. yardage and you actually, you know, picked up the yard. I'd like to see a pin and pull on short yardage. I'd like to see it. If you're going to run pin and pull, you should run power. It's the better play. Uh, yeah. I mean, I agree with that, but I, I, I like pin and pull. It's a, it's a stylistic choice. It's one of my favorite plays, just watching the – and it's not always the same offense lineman, which is what I really like about it. And yeah, you'll get a tackle in a center uncovered. pulling. You'll get a guard in a center pulling. So it changes its look a little bit. And I don't know. I, I just want to see them. Just want to see it. You know, I, I don't think it'll matter next week, but I do think it'll. I think he's going to do it. I think he's going to keep hammering this point home. And watch. He's going to go like six for seven on third down. And they're all going to be third and one set up by him. And he's going to be like, see, see, we can do it. <laughs> Terrible. And it's like, and everyone's going to be in the back of their mind. It was like, it was Maryland, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, don't get too excited. It was Maryland. All right. Last thing, road game. So I actually wanted to talk about this. Uh, I don't think a lot of people understand the, the level of travel it takes to go to Maryland. Uh, it is it is a similar to New Jersey with Piscataway. Uh, it's, not a, it's not a fun trip by any means. Um, you tell me you don't like to drive through West Virginia? No, yeah, at least we're not. At least they don't drive, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I don't like to drive through West Virginia. It's like the only place I get car sick. Um, but I, I one thing I think a lot of people didn't remember or didn't even really think about for that Northwestern game was it was a road game in Evanston, which is an hour away from the Chicago airport. And it was at 11 o'clock local time. That's when the game started. Ohio State's playing at 3.30, so I don't think there's going to be any excuse of lethargicness on the road this time around. But I don't think... I I think starting at 11 a.m., like starting at noon sucks. Starting at 11 a.m. is even worse. Yeah. Um, But they got a 3.30 start time. So there's no excuses this week for that. Arguably the best time as a player. Yeah. Not too late. You don't have to wait around all day. Not too early. You get to wake up. You get to like kind of go through like a nice relaxing morning before you got to prepare for battle. Um, There's less 
errors. You, you have more time to prevent errors from happening. You know, like, oh, my God, we didn't get these training tables set up. Oh, my God, we didn't get this done in time. We're running behind. You know, none of that happens. It won't throw you out of your game day rhythm starting at 3.30. And I know, like, they have game day down to the science. But it, it takes one little thing getting messed up to throw everything off. Yeah, for sure. Oh, the um, box of tape's not opening fast cool. enough. <laughs> Like that stuff matters. And, you know, having that additional extra time to prepare is all I think they're going to need to like really just come out and fire right away. And plus, I think this team is very self-motivated this year. And I think they're going to come out and I I think you're going to put this thing away early and just get on to next week. Yeah, the thing that's going to be interesting for me in this game is do they Indiana this where Stroud plays a full game? Or well, actually, I don't. Ryan Day has shown us this. Once you get this late in the season, the offense plays the full game. Like the, 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 the right people. He'll, you know, mix in some things. He'll, you know, ease off his play call. But I don't think he pulls Stroud in this game. He doesn't typically do that this late. So never mind. I don't even know yeah, unless it's about like, that. So. Unless it's like a blowout type of blowout, you know. Like, if Stroud has a similar stat line to last year, he's got, like, four bills. By, like, the middle of the third quarter, he'll be out. Five touchdowns, you know, which is very possible. He might have that at halftime. Yeah, Stroud has an aversion to six touchdowns, so yeah. we'll do it. He's had five touchdowns, like, five times now. Maybe I think he's the Big Ten record for five touchdown games. Yeah. By two, I Isn't think. Isn't the Ohio State record five, two? Like, there's been three quarterbacks who have five and nobody has six. Yeah. What, Dwayne, Justin? Oh, I don't know if Justin threw five touchdowns five times. I think he did. I think it was it's, him. No, not the number of times. I'm just mean the most. The Ohio State record for five touchdowns, touchdowns in a game is five. Passing touchdowns in a game is five. And there's like three or four people who have that record. No, I think Dwayne has six. It's, I think Dwayne has six touchdowns. It's tied at five. I, I looked at it. Because I was like, why? Hold on. Now I got to look it up. I'm pretty sure there are like four people tied at five. Nobody's had six. I think JT Barrett had a five touchdown game also. Yeah. It's like, it's like Dwayne, it's like JT, Dwayne, and CJ all tied at five. Yeah. Stats, stats, stats. Uh, yeah, Stroud has two six touch. It's six, but you're right. It's all of them tied at six. Oh, it's six, not five. Yeah, so okay. Stroud's got two of them. Justin Fields has one of them, and his was against Clemson. So, uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, Dwayne had one against Indiana and one against Michigan. Good for him. JT Barrett against Bowling Green and Kent State. So JT's a bully. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then Kenny Guyton against Florida A and M. Yeah. Kenny Guide is also a bully confirmed. So six. Thought it was five. It's six. So and then yeah, CJ Stroud has three five touchdown games, which is tied with Dwayne Haskins for the most of those. And then CJ Stroud, two four touchdowns. He has more five touchdown passing games than he has four touchdown passing games. Think about that. Yeah, but I don't think that's accurate. I don't think they update that in season. I think he had three last year and then two this year. So I think he's at five. Or do they update that in season? It would surprise me if they update that in season, though. Yeah, no, it's 2021. So you're right. You're probably right. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, no, Stroud. And he threw for five against Maryland last year. And I think he's going to try to one-up himself. Why not? 
I don't think he has to try, to be completely honest. Yeah, I don't either. It... Um, all right, so last segment of the day, award races down the stretch. I, I, I've been voting in a lot of these, actually. So uh, I have not always voted for the Ohio State guy. I just want to be that, make that very clear. Um, but I have voted for a few Ohio State guys because I legitimately believe in my heart of hearts that Tommy Eichenberg is the best defensive player in the country this year. Yeah, I can't. I, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Why would you say anything I watch else? it every week? Why would you that say is. anything else? That, like, can't, can't convince me otherwise. I need to talk about Tommy for a second because, like, his game has exploded, and that's great. And he could be better in what he does, and we'd be happy. But he's developed things that I didn't even know he could do. And that is what he's beating running back to the spot on outside plays. And that is never what I expected from him. On the opposite side, also. Like, that is never what I expected from him. Like, literally making tackles in the backfield on pitches, on stretch, on things where he shouldn't be making those tackles. Like, like he's the, like, that's what you expect the Steel Chambers to do. That's what you expect, um, you know, some of our yeah. other faster, Ryan Chazier. Like, that's what you kind of expect from them. And he's, like, knifing through. And it's like, when did you – like, not only do you read better, do you tackle better, are you stronger, you suddenly got faster? Like, and I, I think that is partially by reading it. He kind of knows what's going on. But, like, in general, it's, kind of, it's nuts. Like, that is, like, of all the things that's happened with him this year, that's the thing that's most – shocking because that's the thing you can't predict I could predict that he's going to have 100 tackles I could predict that he's going to be better in the box and things like that but But no one could have told you that he was going to have be a sideline to sideline linebacker that is freaking nuts and so I just got to give him his flowers um, really quickly I've been giving him a lot of flowers but yeah yeah I mean he's our guy Uh, I don't know this this was like a very tough relationship at first. I think it started with us after the Oregon game being like, man, this guy should probably never play a game at Ohio State again. And then three games later, we're like, you know what? He's getting better. The Rose Bowl second half happened. This guy's going to be a stud. And then right from the jump against Notre Dame, we knew. Yeah. The train was flying. Like you said on Twitter, it turned into a rocket. Yep. And and my thing is, you know, I'm sorry that I keep reminding you of this, but I predicted 100 tackles in January or February. So everyone who's on the train, I, I started the Tommy train. I'm family at this point. He should invite me to Thanksgiving. I'll make the yeah, drive up to Cleveland. Yeah, the family Thanksgiving. I'll, I'll make the drive up to Cleveland. But, yeah, like, it's just crazy. Like, uh, I think he's at 92 tackles Right, yeah, he he'll have it. Ninety-two tackles Probably by the end of this week. Yeah, so. he should. Sometimes he, you know, he gets like six or seven. So, but it'll, it'll definitely be before he'll the twelve game is over. And even that hundred, I predicted. Did I predict hundred and? Do you remember? Did I predict hundred and thirteen, or did I say the bowl game? I, it definitely wasn't in twelve. I'll tell you that right now. I did yeah, not I have it in twelve games. In the entire season. Yeah, but I don't think either of us first saw it happening in twelve. Absolutely not. So that's crazy because that means he's going to get to 120, 130. He has. If we get to the national championship, I think he's averaging like eight ish um, a, a game, eight nine ish a game. Uh, so that's yeah. three more games. He would be at one hundred and twenty to one hundred and thirty tackles. Crazy. 
It's crazy. So it was funny when I was looking up the stats for the FWAA All American team. There's like a, there was one linebacker with like 162 tackles, and I'm like, I know Jordan knows about this guy. And if you don't, I, we got we got a he. He's officially part of the of the show. I know you're talking about, guy. but I can't think of his name. Um, as Sean, you said, uh, I think it's Sean Delock from um, Buffalo. Yes. Yep. I, okay. I have heard of him. I do know. There's also a linebacker. It's because he's in like his fifth or sixth season who just broke the FBS. That's solo tackles. Uh, huh? He has 77 solo tackles. And like, for people who don't know, that is so many tackles. Yes. Solo, he is the defense. He's the defense. Like, that. Yeah. that that's what that is. Uh, on the season, just, just so you all are aware, Tommy has, we were right, he has 92 tackles, 11 tackles for a loss, uh, two and a half sacks. And just for comparison, Tommy has 57 solo tackles, which is really good. 77 is nuts. Oh, yeah. Uh, this other guy, uh, Jason Henderson at Old Dominion, he has 166 total tackles. But this is this is kind of cheap, honestly. He has 115 assisted tackles. Oh, wow. That's that's hilarious. So, <laughs> I don't know who's keeping those stats, but... That's hilarious. How do you have all those that assisted seems like a tackles? Very, like, come on now. He's like a very generous assisted tackles. Something, yeah. That, that just doesn't even sound right. But yeah, I, I mean, I voted I voted Tommy and Ivan Pace Jr. for my All American linebackers. Uh, Jack Campbell was my third option, but he did not make the cut this year. I think he's gotten plenty of accolades. I think plenty of other people are going to vote for him. So yeah, people who don't watch the games, I wanted like I tried looking through, but yeah, let's get to these awards. Um, Heisman, all right, Stroud. Let's start there. We don't have to spend long here. Everyone else talks about this one. It's not even that really. Fun for us. He beats Michigan. He wins a Heisman, right? That's where we're at with it. Yeah, basically. Just because, like, the fun candidate never wins. So now that Hendon Hooker's not there and Bryce Young is not there, they want to give to C.J. Stroud. He just has to not lose it, basically. Yeah. Does the Heisman happen before or after conference championships? The vote happens Uh, before, right? But the, the thing comes after. No, I think Heisman voting occurs the Sunday after conference championship games. It's after? Yeah. So I think they vote on it. The the voting starts that Sunday, and it closes that following week. Monday? No. no. Uh, Hold on. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it opens on the 29th, which is after the last game, and it closes December 6th, which would be after. Yeah, yep, okay. The Monday after. So that is uh, – and, like, if he has a big game against Michigan, I think a lot of people are going to put their ballots in the mail long before conference championship games. Yeah, because most of them do. So yeah. – um, all right, uh, but yeah, I think that one's an easy one. I don't think that's been talked about ad nauseum this week, so I'm good without sticking around there. All right, we got the Buckus Award, Bronco Nagurski Award, Buckus the Linebacker Award, Interior Defender is really what it is, and then Bronco Nagurski. That's the defensive Heisman. Tommy Eichenberg. I don't think he's got a chance to win either award but oh well, maybe the the linebacker one but I, I not the bronco nagurski and the bronco nagurski one's gonna make me mad because aren't they just gonna Jaylen give it Car- to will aren't they, aren't they just gonna give yeah, it to will anderson even though he hasn't like he's he he's having a good, good season but it's not what it 
what it was. Yeah, and that's that's where I was going to go. I was going to say like it feels like seeing the finalists for some of these other awards. It just feels like it's more of a reputation award than it is an actual performance award, which I think hurts a guy like Tommy. Yeah, because it, it would require them to actually watch football, and they don't. Yeah, and Will Anderson has put up enough stats to be like, oh, yeah, we can still vote for him. Jalen Carter's put up enough stats where like people can still vote for him. And honestly, it's not like to take a shot at Jalen Carter. He probably is one of the more deserving players of it. Wait, but is he a finalist? Yeah, hasn't he missed a bunch of games? Yeah, and that's what I was gonna. That's what I was gonna say. Like he's like in his. Uh, no, I don't think he's missed a bunch. I think he missed one game. Are you sure? I mean, yeah, I thought he missed like three or four. Yeah, he got named an Outland Trophy semifinalist. Uh, let me see stats. That'll tell us the story. Uh, but yeah, only two sacks, seventeen tackles, and that's also the hard part about these guys. Two sacks, it's like it's, Ugh. it's really hard to evaluate an interior defensive player, which I understand. But also, like, it's the same thing they did with Jordan Davis last year. He played like thirty-three percent of the snaps. Like, yeah, he has impacts on games that aren't necessarily in the stat sheets, but. I don't know. It just feels like it's a you win this award before the season even starts. Basically, I mean, that, that that's basically how it happens for all of it, which is kind of really, really frustrating. Um, yeah. And honestly, a lot of these awards, like think about it. I voted for he's missed three uh, games. He's only played in seven games. Yes. So let me, I actually let me have let me pull up the email real quick. I've got the uh, let me see if it was the Bronco go Gersky one. No, it was not that. It was the Rocky Lombardi Award Final Four announcement. Uh, they've got Chewy Tuipi Lotu, Jalen Carter, Brock Bowers, and Will Anderson. This is the the lineman award. Like the this is just basically you play in. So stand-up DNs are qualified for it. And so are tight ends. Oh, yeah. It Will should Anderson, Rock Towers, Jalen Carter. It should be to a Tilopi, but he's not going to get it. He's not. It'll he's, probably be Will Anderson. He's USC. Yeah. Yeah, it should be him, but uh, he's not going to get it. He is legitimately USC's only good defense player. Be, yeah, that's crazy. It'd be so much without, so much worse without him. Uh, no, no, no. Um, another year, another non-Corey Foreman sighting. So it's just, yeah, it's almost like, and I want to be clear, I'm not talking about the player here. It's almost Honestly. like going places that aren't known to develop your kind of talent isn't smart. Yeah, to be honest, uh, him decommitting from Clemson was the biggest mistake he made. And yeah. I think he he has not been developed yet. So Aaron Judge just won the MVP. Um, we're not going to talk about why baseball has been over for a month, and they're just now announcing it. But also for all the people who thought Shoal Otani should win, how about they should win some games? Okay, how about that? How about you win some games <laughs> and you break a freaking record? Okay, yeah. like how are you going to have it? Like 
I, I get it. It's not the overall record. It's the AL versus the overall, this, that, and the third. He hit 60 home runs without steroids. He led in literally every batting category imaginable. And yeah, he's basically the triple crown winner to the last game. And he played, yeah, literally he would have had that except for the last game. And he played center field, which at six freaking seven, he shouldn't be at center field. Like yeah, he is the guy who just throws somewhere. He played center field for a decent amount. Like he's a freaking MVP guy. Like what are we doing here? Why, why, yeah. are, we, why are we talking about it? Like you can't win the MVP every year just because you're a good pitcher and a batter. That's great. Win some games. How about that? Okay. Yeah. No, Had I'm with you. Man, I thought Jeff should be the MVP this year. Uh, all right. I've got the Ray Guy Award here, Jesse Murko. I tweeted some punter stats a few weeks ago. And that thing you guys know, I'm a little bit of a sicko. I was at work, kind of got a little bored, wanted to see how good he's been. And almost 50% of his balls have been downed inside the 20. Uh, he's averaging a net punt average up there in the top five of the country. And he only has like 33 punts, I think, on the year. Love that for us. Not going to so, win it. I don't, but I don't think he's going to win it. But I Iowa's think punter should his, win it. Yeah, Iowa's punter is a weapon. Uh, but I do think he deserves some respect. He should be a finalist. Um, the next award I will stand on my soapbox for. Uh, the Broyles Award, the best assistant coach in it's the country. Jim Knowles. It's not even close. It's Jim Knowles. And if Jim Knowles no doesn't win it, it doesn't. Even, it doesn't matter the improvement of the defense, the level Ohio State's defense is playing at. He deserves the award. Absolutely. Because like people are going to forget uh, that it's Ohio State, but the turnaround that he made is special. Yeah, absolutely. Like I don't think people realized how bad it was last year. They did. They're just gonna forget. They're just gonna go, oh, yeah. it's Ohio State. And like, no, their but defense was really bad. I don't know of another like assistant coach who maybe deserves to be in that conversation this year. People are saying that Michigan's defensive coordinator deserves it because they're one of the better statistical defenses. But again, you haven't played anybody, and we don't yeah. care. Yeah, you can't win an award for best assistant coach for statistics when you have three. You have UConn, Hawaii, and Colorado State on your schedule. Yeah. You don't get you don't get the stats for that. Take those games out, then you could really reevaluate. But uh, yeah, I think Jim Knowles deserves it. For sure. Yeah, plus, Michigan's defense was really good last year, so you just kept going. What was going? Like, congrats. Yeah, yeah. You, here's a freaking cookie, you know. Uh, Paul Hornig Award. Uh, that's for the most versatile player in college football. Ameka Ibuka was announced as a finalist last week. Interesting. Uh, I don't think he's going to win it either, but I thought it was nice to see him get some representation at the awards for all he does. I also think him not kick returning after, you know, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba got hurt and, you know, they kind of had to relinquish those duties from him for health purposes. And then plus, he wasn't able to catch a punt for like three games. Just, just forgot. So. Uh, if it was the best receiver who also did that stuff, maybe. But uh, most versatile player, probably not this year. But I still think it was nice to see him get that representation in the award area. Yeah. All right. Joe Moore Award, semifinalist Ohio State's offensive line. Uh, they could win it on next Saturday. Yeah. Um, I don't think they deserve it, but the last – 
two or three lines haven't deserved it, you basically win it for making the playoffs. So if you make the playoffs, they'll get it because no one evaluates offensive linemen. Ohio State does not have the best offensive line in the country, although it is still a really good one. Um, And I have defended it in a lot of things. But I think this will go down to who makes the playoffs. And Ohio State has a better offensive line than Georgia, so Ohio State will win it if they make the playoffs. I I think that's how that should go. That's how it will go, not how it should go. So I think there's a good chance we win it, even though I don't think we earned it or deserve it or are actually the best. That's your word. So, you know, whatever. And then the last one I got on the list, I didn't research every single award because there are a, a lot. lot. Yeah. College you are missing one, in. though. The Bolitnikoff uh, and Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, no, that's probably going to go to to North Carolina's guy. Why? Uh, stats. What are his stats? Josh Downs doing Josh like Sir- that? He is not going like that. He's just their only receiver. Wow. Nine catches a game. It's really like it, it really comes back down to like the issue Ohio State had wow. last year. He has he only has eight hundred forty seven yards and eleven touchdowns. <laughs> I swear I just I've seen people voting for man. I so I did the little fan thing, and the person that won the fan thing was uh, Tennessee's wide wide receiver. And I was oh, like, yeah. y'all don't know anything about football. If you think Jalen Hyatt should win that. Yeah, I mean, he probably will, though. For one game? Okay. Yeah, I mean, he had, like, three games where he had that, like, uh, that Randy Moss type of stat line. Yeah, Marvin Harrison Jr. has better stats than Josh Downs. 969, 11 touchdowns, 60 seconds. Yeah, I think, I think it honestly, like last year with Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jackson, and Jigba, I think it's being held against him now. He has help. So the only reason I disagree, only reason I disagree is because I think the thing that really hurt Jackson Smith, Jackson, is that it, he came on late. Yeah. And you have to get to that thing. Uh, Jalen Hyatt might deserve it. 1115 touchdowns. Okay. All right, yeah, whatever. But he came on late when they already like had voted because the to get to the semifinal list they do it in like week seven. Like yeah. they cut it down in week I seven in October. Yeah, and he didn't make that season. cut. And then he went crazy afterwards. Marvin Harrison is obviously making that cut, and he has the name, and Tennessee lost. So it's not a pure statistical award because it never is. I think Marvin Harrison Jr. has a very good chance of winning it, largely because of the name, especially if he has a good game against Michigan. Um, But, you know, maybe not. Yeah, if he is a semifinalist, is he a semifinalist? I can't remember. I'm pretty sure. Uh, But if he is... Yeah, he has a big game these next few weeks. Uh, should be a good one. Uh, yeah, but I, I don't think I think Jalen Hyatt's like you know when you get those casual voters and he just has some he has some dumb stats honestly. It's not it's not that much better, but it's better enough that that's what they're doing, so it's fine. Yeah, is this the? player added. No, this list they haven't announced semi-finalist. This list still has like 30 people on it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's the award races. There's probably more awards Ohio State players are up for. Uh, but I don't got anything else. Uh, what's your score prediction for the game tomorrow? Or yeah, I guess tomorrow when you guys are listening. Saturday. Uh, unfortunately, we just give touchdowns. One touchdown a game, so 56 to 10. 
which is yeah. what we had last uh, week, right? Exactly, 56 to, No, that was 56-14. 56 to 10. Yeah. yeah, I like that score. Uh, the average has been 56 to 16. So I, I think I'm with you. I, I don't want to take the same exact score, so I'll go with like 62 to 10. Perfect. Um, and that's that's all I got. We we will see you after the game for the instant recap podcast. Uh, but yeah, you guys find me at Chris Rennie CFB on social media, and then you can find uh, the podcast at Buck Off Pod. Jordan, where can we find you before we head out for? the time yeah you can find me on twitter at jordan w330 you can find my work at landgrantholyland.com and i'm going to do a slight plug because i don't typically write articles like this i did write an article about how ohio state is uh epitomizing what separates college football from all other sports uh talking about uh the walk-ons and cam bab so check it out yeah, it was good stuff. Um, very, very fun. Shout out to Cam Bab also. Absolutely. I know we did that on the instant recap, but shout out to Cam Bab. For sure. Or ACL injuries. I don't think people understand. I think people do, actually. I think that's actually a very well respected story. But Absolutely. I'm very happy signing out with a shout out to Cam Bab. So I will see you guys. We will see you guys next week. Or, no, after the game on Saturday. <laughs> like I just told you. Yeah. But, End of the week. I'm exhausted. So I'll see you. We'll see you guys. Go Bucks.